Hey, I'm Danita. And hi, I'm David. Catch our show, School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. Look, we've been married for 14 years and have three school-aged children. We both work in the field of education. We have the same struggles helping our kids academically just like any other parent. So we want to share what we've learned and invite experts to share with us so we can all learn together. Join us Tuesdays from 11 to noon in the Blue Bowl. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in. Hi, good morning. Welcome to School Days. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm Courtney Walker, filling in for David Bailey today. Yeah, David had a field trip today. He was on daddy duties. So I've really been looking forward to this show because not only do we have a really great topic, we're talking about ADHD and its effect on students, but you're going to come to host with me. So I'm real excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. So we have known each other for a long time, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. 17 years. Uh, went to the University of Houston together. Go Cougs. Almost in the Final Four. Woo-woo. Almost there. Oh, are we? You know, we, I don't we really follow almost, that. Yeah, we were almost in there. <laughs> oh, almost. when was this? Oh, this, this was a couple was weeks ago. during the uh, NCAA tournament. We ended up this losing. when? To Kentucky. This year? This or? year. Oh, this okay. Year, wow. NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah. Basketball. David is always clowning me about how I know nothing about Sports. Sports in any way. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. Unless it's like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, Lord. If oh. they're in the, uh, in the final the stages yeah. or going to the Super Bowl and things like that. And then the Cowboys because, you know, we are from Dallas. Absolutely. Yes. And you bleed blue even though you married, you know, silver. I mean, not silver. <laughs> I, but I cannot say purple that. Purple and black. Well, I can't. No, <laughs> yellow and black. David's going to be upset with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even respect the Steelers color. No, and you didn't. That was <laughs> so, awful. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, we've known each other for, how? can, can you do the math, how many years? Since uh, 1993. Gosh. So, I no, you 17. can't do the math? Yeah, I can. 16, uh, 26 years? years. 26 years? 26. That's a really long time. That may, Yeah. When you get up to, like, saying double-digit ages over 20, <laughs> that kind of makes you tenured, in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, we, you know, our kids are about the same age. Uh, about you have the same. a gaggle of kids. I have a gaggle. <laughs> or, or, a, or the word plethora works as well. Yes, you have a lot of kids. You and, you and sweet Jocelyn. Indeed. And, um, and uh, we go to the same church. We go to the You're same church. You're an elder at our church. So we Absolutely. have been in each other's lives for a really, really long time. A long so time. So this should be a fun show. Hopefully he won't tell any of my... Old secrets from back in the day? No, no, we'll not tell them about you. I've done a Jedi mind trick on you so that you can't remember them, at least during the show. You missed that. You're breakdancing and doing the prep. (laughs) (laughs) I won't mention that at all. (laughs) Anywho, so let's talk about today's show. Absolutely. Almost 6.5 million children have been diagnosed with ADHD. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I really wish Dave could have been here because he actually has recently been diagnosed with ADD. And about five years ago, I happened to be reading an article, and I was reading the symptoms of ADD, and I was like, oh, check. And he's, like, laying next to me in bed reading something, and I'm looking over him like, Every time you did check, you would look at him. (laughs) Check. It's like, uh, (laughs) this all sounds very familiar. Um, So I mentioned it to him, and he was. Did you tap him like? (laughs) Like, raise your hand if you. you. Yes. It was like textbook Dave. So I, I mentioned it to him, but he was pretty hesitant. And okay. he, you know, he's a super smart guy and, you know, he's a wizard. We math. tend to be resistant when we're diagnosed with something. Especially when your wife 
yes. diagnoses oh. you with something. Oh, yeah. Which is every week for Which me. was a rookie mistake for me. Yeah. I should not have even, I should have been like, hey, Courtney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might want to mention this to him. Yeah. But, you know, he was like, you know, how could I have gone to undergrad? And he also went to mm-hmm. a very difficult, um, he got a very ma- a difficult master's degree. And he was like, how can I have ADD if I did all that? So what I did was I looked up an article that talked about all these really successful people that have ADD. And you want to hear a list? Absolutely. I'd okay. love to. So Adam Levine. Yeah. I did, did you know about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five, yeah. Richard Branson of Virgin Airlines. Yep. Yep. That was the one that was in the article that I noticed. Michael Phelps. I didn't know about. Justin Timberlake. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Simone Biles. Oh, yeah. So lots of athletes and, um, and uh, entertainers um, have problems focusing. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And probably running, darting off and stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's interesting, and we'll talk about that. The presentation in adults is totally different than mm-hmm. it is in kids. Yeah. So um, that's why you know a lot of adults who had issues uh, are now understanding it to be a part of uh, ADD or a- attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but more mm-hmm. so in adults. Yeah. You don't see the hyperactive aspect, and so Not we'll talk about that. Right. Yeah. So you know, once I showed him all these other super successful people who were dealing with it and had succeeded, then he was like, oh, okay, well, maybe. We'll just see. So children and adults alike struggle with the condition, but our hope from today's show is that we'll help you to see that there are ways to overcome these challenges that we face with um, ADHD. But before we go any further, let me take uh, just say that it does take a village. If you hear a nugget of advice or a great parenting tip, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag school days show or hashtag I am school days. So, Courtney, who do we have on the show today? All right. We have April Woodridge. Did I it's like the it? first time someone got it right. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> Look at that. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> and April graduated with her master's degree in counseling psychology from Talton State University in 2005. She is mental health counselor in Fort Worth, specializing in working with children, adolescents, and women. She has built a reputation in working with individuals who struggle with ADHD, anger, depression, attachment disorders, and anxiety. She worked in PHP programs for seven years while doing private practice and then started doing full-time private practice in 2012. She works with parents to help them to understand and interact with their kids, teens, in a healthy manner. She became a parent supporting support therapist at 212 behavioral to be able to reach out to more parents guardians in the dfw metroplex she is also a presenter with high energy and humor that has a passion to help others who are in the helping profession so welcome to the show thank you thank you so let me tell people about you dr courtney l walker is the managed markets medical liaison at novo nordisk inc for the Texas, New Mexico region, specializing in diabetes and obesity. That was a mouthful. Dr. Walker received his doctorate of pharmacy from Texas Southern University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Houston, Texas. He has more than 15 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry. For five years, he worked covering ADHD, 
with health plans and government agency and advocacy groups, and for five years as a senior outcomes liaison specializing in mental health and diabetes medications. In his current role, he spends his time consulting health plans and state government, like Medicaid and Medicare organizations responsible for drug formulary decisions impacting millions of patients throughout the country. Dr. Walker is active in his community by serving as an elder in his local church. Shout out to TCAL. He is a proud <laughs> he is a proud husband of Jocelyn, a physical therapist and father to four great kids. Or as we say, four. Four. Four Mo great kids. kids. <laughs> so welcome to both yeah. of you guys today. Glad to be here. So can you guys tell me what even is ADD? Uh, ADD is, well, usually when people say ADD, they're talking about the inattentive form of ADHD because ADD used to be a diagnosis and then they eliminated it. So mm -hmm. it's not there anymore. Oh, no kidding. Right. So, so now it's all together. Now, now it's all together. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the doctor, they'll diagnose you with ADHD inattentive, ADHD hyperactive or ADHD impulsive. combined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So combined presentation. Yeah. So it's the full name for it is attention attention deficit, deficit hyperactivity disorder correct yes that's that too is a mouthful yes right so what what is kind of happening in the brain like can you describe kind of what a is happening in the brain and, and maybe even what from a perspective of someone with ADD, what does that kind of look like? Because that's what I've been trying to understand with David is what what's happening in your brain? <laughs> so an ADHD brain is pretty scrambled a lot. Mm -hmm. So we should all have like little file cabinets in our brain. So when we take in information, it goes and gets stored in our file cabinet. And then when we need to retrieve it, we go back to that same file cabinet and get it back out. Um, but when you're ADHD, a lot of times it gets filed in the wrong file cabinet. So we can't go mm -hmm. back and retrieve it correctly. And so we can't get the information from our brain back out of our mouth because it got stored wrong. So it's not that we didn't learn it, we just didn't store it correctly because our brain is kind of disheveled and just all over the place. And um, so the best scenario that I have for ADHD is like our brains look like pistons that have to be up and pumping all the time and four of them have to be up and going. So we have to have something hands-on, something visual, something to hear and entertainment. And if one piston goes down, the whole brain quits functioning. Oh, gosh. And so you have to keep them all up and going to um, be successful. And so if you think about adults or kids, um, when we're learning things that we don't want to learn or don't care about learning, entertainment goes down and then the whole system goes down and then we can't take in information anymore. And then what's interesting is with one of those pistons being off, the fuel for those pistons can be dopamine, norepinephrine, can be certain chemicals within the brain. And so that can actually be a part of the diagnosis as well. So in a certain area, especially uh, the prefrontal cortex, and that's just a nice way to say the area that's responsible for the next question, we'll be talking about executive functioning. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Well, what is executive functioning? Are you asking? Oh, me? I'm sorry. Oh, no, he, no, I'm asking. I'm asking April. Right. April, what is executive functioning? I can jump in too. So executive functioning is controlled by your frontal lobe, which that yeah. is what helps us yeah. with organization and focus and being able to switch tasks and multitask at the same time, um, being able to organize information or even organize our surroundings. Because if you are around um, a lot of ADHD people, you'll realize they're not always that organized because their system mm -hmm. looks very different than everybody else's system, right. but mm -hmm. it works for them. Um, yeah. And so when uh, kids or adults are diagnosed with ADHD, then basically they have what's called poor executive functioning because their fr frontal lobe is weakened it's not as successful as other people's that 
do have it. So it's like a deficiency in our executive functioning ability. And I say we because I also have ADHD. Okay. How long, when were you diagnosed with ADHD? Um, as an adult, when I became a therapist and learned how to diagnose, and then I checked all the boxes for myself mm -hmm. because when I was a kid, it wasn't diagnosed. I just got phone calls every day and got in trouble for talking too much. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So that was the kid and me at school and my, they would just call my mom all the time. Like she keeps talking and my mom would be like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And so, yeah. So diagnosed at 26, but I knew 26. I had it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A couple of things that we, um, saw as far as a executive function is that um, you don't understand short-term consequences Absolutely. to right. your decisions um, and it, you have trouble making real-time evaluations of your actions correct. and being able to correct or you may overcorrect or right. something like that. So that's uh, that definitely is a big struggle and something that you have to work through you do and as a kid you don't have self-awareness so for kids it's a lot yeah. harder so adults we have self-awareness mm -hmm. so we can start to catch it and we know it's coming and we're like oh that was super impulsive and we can correct it pretty immediately <laughs> right kids even afterwards don't even know that it was super impulsive yeah. they're like oh, okay and they just keep moving so that's why uh, we always talk about consequences with parents like consequences need to be really short like usually less than 10 minutes oh. um because the longer they are the they forgot why they're even in trouble right. so it's Absolutely. not effective anymore so right. sometimes i meet a parent and they've been grounded for a week well, like 30 <laughs> minutes in, the kid's over it and moved on because their short term is so short. Right. So, yeah. And I think that also um, also speaks to the differences in how boys and girls are diagnosed um, because you see, you see um, more so in boys, the hyperactive, impulsive aspect of ADHD. Mm -hmm. And with girls, typically the diagnosis is more so in, in inattentiveness. Right. So, and, and, and the, some people ask the question, well, why do boys get that hyperactive, impulsive? Uh, not only are they dealing with one of those pistons not working, they're also getting little seeps of testosterone because they're boys. Mm -hmm. It's actually present when they're in the womb. And then as they begin to age, about five years old, you start to see more and more testosterone combined with that issue. And then goes back to what April was discussing. Oh, my gosh, you know, I'm moving around. That's why sometimes, you know, you see a disproportionate diagnosis with boys and girls. How do you know? So boys, gosh, I, so I have two boys and one girl. I had the boys first and <laughs> then the girl. And it was like such night and day. Right. You know, I could bring Jonathan, I mean, I could bring Christina to a meeting in a pinch if I had to, but Jonathan and Christina, I mean, Jonathan and DJ, I can't get my kids' names right. You yeah. have that problem with oh, yeah. your gaggle <laughs> of kids? Yes. <laughs> yes. I do it with my plethora of children. <laughs> yes. I only have two, so it's much easier. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and now I don't know what I was going to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, the difference in being able Taking to like boys. sit down yeah. uh -huh. um, and just like read a book mm -hmm. or do something on the phone where the other one's like zoom, 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 zoom back and forth. Yeah. So how do you know the difference between regular boy mm -hmm. and ADHD? Uh, I mean, I personally think that all kids are impulsive and hyperactive because they just have more energy than us. And they're yeah. all inattentive because they don't care what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. nothing we say as parents is interesting to our kids. <laughs> so, like, why do they want to pay attention to what unless we're, we're saying? Candy. Yeah, unless we're holding, like, candy <laughs> oh, yeah. or we're going to do something fun. Right. You know, for the most part, we probably sound like the Snoopy teacher, uh -huh. like the wah, 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 uh -huh. you know, so they tune us out pretty well. Um, so, usually, I tell parents not to worry until it's like inhibiting parts of their life. Like if they're becoming mm -hmm. really unsuccessful or they're getting in trouble every day, then we need to address it. Because if you get in trouble every single day for a long period of time, eventually, and I know this might come up later, but eventually you're going to start having depressive symptoms because you're going to feel like you're a bad kid Absolutely. and that you're always yes. in trouble. And then you have Absolutely. poor self-esteem and then you think you're dumb or then you think you're bad and then you think you can't do anything right. And then that really sets in. And so when it starts becoming a problem in the classroom or at church and the kid's, 
um, room, you know, during childcare, mm -hmm. or if they're always in trouble at home, like you should be reaching out to somebody because no kid should really be in trouble all the time. Right. So, so April, this is in line with our next question. How does AD ADHD affect children academically? So, yeah, most of my ADHD kids are brilliant. They are mm. so smart and so, and like, they are so creative and have so much talent. Um, but sometimes they're not successful in the classroom because mm -hmm. again, you have to keep their attention, you know, right. like you have to make it interesting. And a lot of times things aren't interesting. If you think about when we were in school and you have a teacher that gets up in front of the classroom and starts talking, there's nothing entertaining about that. Even for yeah. an adult, I have right. a hard time going to meetings and CEUs cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't care. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard <laughs> for us to, so if you think about our attention to folk or our problems with focusing and then kids, so it does start impacting them because sometimes they just rush through their work to get it done. And then they get a 70 or they get a 60 or yeah. they don't care that much about that subject but they might really excel in science because they're interested mm. in it and they could have hundreds in science i mean you know so it's really hit or miss um a lot of inattentive kids like i was uh, really inattentive not necessarily hyperactive and so school came easily to me mm. fortunately so i made really good grades i slid through the cracks all the time because i excelled at school so mm. sometimes there are kids that can get great grades mm. but then they just struggle with any of the long term or the impulsive and then getting in trouble still mm-hmm so it's really hit and miss on how they do academically. But the problem is, is if it's not addressed when they're really young, I really believe it starts turning into learning disabilities. Because if you think about a kindergartner that goes and they have to learn the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, what if on the day that you learn A, they're super hyperactive and can't pay attention? Mm -hmm. Now you can't read. If you don't know what an A is, you can't advance to the next yeah, thing. Absolutely. And so if that builds into the next week and the next week and the next week and they're missing every other letter while they're learning, mm -hmm. now in fourth grade, you're trying to correct all the things mm -hmm. that they missed young, you know? Yes. So actually, sure. I think our intervention needs to be a lot younger uh -huh. because once that they're so far behind, it's really hard to catch them up. And it's also really hard to tell them that they're not um, smart because the paperwork shows that they're dumb. The grades mm. show that they're dumb, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because how do you tell someone that's making 50s that they're smart? Yeah. Because they're like, well, those two things don't match. Yeah. So the other thing that, um, if nothing else, I tell all my parents, I don't put any worth on a child based on grades. Mm -hmm. I don't care about their grades. And mm -hmm. if you ask me and my daughter, I never ask her about her report card or her grades because that is not where her value comes from. Right. Yeah. Like she has value as a human outside of whatever mark is on that piece of paper. Yeah. So I focus on that. So April, kind of following up, and for those who are taking notes out there, um, basically listening and focus, retaining information, losing assignments, forgetting deadlines, and behavior issues at school all can be a part of how ADHD can affect the kids at school. Let's talk now about how does ADHD affect children outside of the school? Um, what are some of the things that you see there and should parents be aware of? So outside of school, the biggest complaint usually that I see is they have a really hard time making friends. Mm. Because like if they're really impulsive or they're really hyperactive, then they could be overbearing and they don't know boundaries and they don't know how to read social cues and they don't know when somebody doesn't want to play with them. So they keep forcing it. Mm, and right. then the other kids get annoyed with them and then they'll start like ostracizing that kid and not letting them play with them. Um, so a lot of times they don't have very many friends and they aren't... Um, successful at initiating social interaction. So that's actually one of the biggest complaints. And then at home, the biggest complaint is not being able to complete tasks. I have yes. parents frustrated because they're like, I have to tell my 10 year old to brush his teeth every morning. And I'm like, get used to it because mm -hmm. this will be like the rest of 
you know, while he's in your home, you'll have to tell him <laughs> to brush his teeth. It's just not going to get better. They need the repetition and they need the constant reminders all the time, even for something so basic. Yeah. And that's mostly frustrating for the parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not for the kids because the kids are like, like, okay, they need yeah. the reminder. So yeah. you tell them to go brush their teeth and they're like, <sighs> whatever. And they go brush it. But the parents are usually frustrated because you've already said it ten for times. 10 years, yeah. 10 times a day. Yeah. So you're mad, More. but they're not mad. They're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. they go like, in there. Wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, wrong. that's, wrong. And that's not always ADHD. It's just insubordinate. Yes. <laughs> sometimes it is. <laughs> so, so one of the, in our list, we had social uh, meltdowns, transitions in routines, lack of following instructions, risky or impulsive behaviors. And, and, and I think you mentioned it earlier and, and this all, you know, you never want your child to get a label. Um, and I think that that's a part of the depressive mm-hmm. aspect that you talked about, where if they display that out in the open, let's say it's at church and then someone says, well, what's going on with that particular child? Right. I think what we want to do is absolutely protect them from labels and at the same time help them. Right. Correct? right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. Because um, one of the things that we always balance with parents and with because I always talk to the kids about their diagnosis or whatever it is going on as well, is it's we want to educate you on what it is, but it's mm-hmm also not a crutch so we're going to do the balance mm-hmm. of both like this That's isn't good. an excuse to do whatever you want to do because you can't be impulsive and be like oh my bad i'm adhd uh <laughs> no <laughs> you know right from wrong and that's not how that works oh, they figured out too you know yeah they do and yeah. then sometimes i hear parents say that well he can't help it he's adhd and i'm like mm. Mm, that's not how that works because there's still accountability that they have yeah. to learn to be successful adults one day um so now i forgot where i was going because i'm adhd <laughs> And I forgot where I was going with that. Well, we can move on to the next. Sorry. I just completely blanked out. No, no. It happens to me and I am not ADHD. I'm just 43. (laughs) Post 35. (laughs) So you mentioned that you feel like sometimes ADHD can cause a learning disability. Is it a learning disability? No. No. Okay. It it doesn't originate. I I don't personally believe that it is a learning disability. I think you just have to learn how to cater to their learning style. Mm -hmm. Because I think everybody can learn, but some people are hands-on, some people are visual, some people are audio. And unfortunately, and I know this is, I think, one of your next shows, is we don't cater to learning styles. Mm -hmm. We just have one style in a classroom and you hope the kids adjust. Yes. So we don't cater to them. We expect them to cater to us, which I think is just a really broken system, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they feel dumb, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're really smart and very capable of a lot of things. Yeah. So is that a, what is it exactly? Is it a mental disorder then? Is that how you would classify it? It's still classified as a mental disorder because okay. it interferes with brain functioning. Yes. So that's where it falls under yeah. mental health disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it can create learning issues as they get older. Mm-hmm. And then I think it can create other diagnosis on top of that, mm-hmm. depression or anxiety or you know different things as they get older if it's not acknowledged when they're younger right absolutely so april how is uh adhd diagnosed and i know we're gonna uh potentially get into some dsm-4 yeah dsm-5 actually and what uh, is dsm-4 um, for us, uh, we laymen. Well, the, the American <laughs> Psychiatric Association uh, basically came up with a statistic, uh, a, a, a way in which to categorize the symptomology. So, 
um, if they get like, you know, if they have like six symptoms that fall under inattention mm-hmm. or six symptoms that fall under hyperactive impulsive, and they show that for, they believe it's a series of six months. Right. Then that basically is a part of the whole diagnosis. I hope yeah. I didn't answer the question for you. You're fine. You, you, know. you sound like you know a lot about it. You go ahead and answer that. Yeah. So, so go right ahead. <laughs> go right ahead and go deeper into it in terms of what you see in, in uh, that process. There's the different ways to diagnose it. So I don't do formal testing. A lot of times you have to go to like a psychologist who um, does testing to get it formally diagnosed. And they'll do like a battery of tests and, right. and just watch their memory and their ability to recall information and and things like that you can go to a psychiatrist who can diagnose it and they'll diagnose it just from your 30 minute conversation based on history I mean it's not that difficult and the same thing when you when kids come see me is really if I just get parent history and and the history from the kid for the last six months or the last school year then it's pretty evident especially hyperactivity like you can't Mm -hmm. miss hyperactivity you can't miss it I mean, it's in your face all the time. They can't even sit in your office, you know? So it's like, oh, yep, they have that. And then you, <laughs> it's the inattention that slides through the cracks. That one's a lot harder to diagnose because a lot of times, um, especially as they get to be teenagers, a lot of teenagers that have ADHD inattentive, they're just called lazy. Mm. And that's the label they get. They're lazy or they're defiant or they don't care. And I'm like, really, they just can't take in the information you're giving them and pull it back out because you're giving them multi-steps. And Mm. one of the big things with ADHD is you have to do single step items in order for Mm. people to be successful. Um, And so then a lot of times they're just labeled lazy. Oh, man. So and so then, is that why guys are not multitaskers? Yeah, my wife says that we, I'm not a good multitasker. <laughs> men, men are just not. It's true. I am yeah, a women. Good we've got a baby on our hip, and we're right. ironing, and we're yes. listening to a podcast, and we're you know. I can watch the Cowboys. Writing a paper. <laughs> right. I can watch the Cowboys, Rangers, and Mavericks at the same time. Ooh. I always wonder what happened to a man's sports. brain. Is like, why did it stop getting? <laughs> <laughs> This show is going off the rails. <laughs> like somehow it, it lost its ability to keep growing into multitasking. I'm not sure what happened. I think if, if both genders were always multitasking, our world would be a little crazy. We Maybe. Need like half the people to just be able to fo- focus. Yes. Versus, you know, we see like this. We're like, you know, when you walk in a room, you're like socks on the floor and refrigerator's open. And, you know, all this men are like food. That's right. That's why I joke that I don't see men. If you see my bio, I see children, teens, and women. Because I'm like, I don't know what to tell a man. It's because it's so simple. Like, (laughs) April, really? I'm just kidding. Really? (laughs) For your gender, Courtney. (laughs) Unbelievable. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Speaking of uh, diagnosis, I saw an article last night that apparently Harvard University found that children who start school early are more likely to receive a misdiagnosis of ADHD because of their comparison with their peers who are older. So if you Mm -hmm. have a August birthday, you get to go to school, to uh, kindergarten. But if you have like a September 15th birthday, you don't get to go for a whole nother year. So those kids with the August birthdays, um, they're 30% uh, they have a 30% greater chance of getting an ADHD diagnosis that's misdiagnosed than those children that were born um, in September. So what are, you, your, what are your thoughts about that? And that is you? applicable to me because I graduated at 17. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, so a, I'm, I'm an advocate for 
um, you know, if the child displays the skills to go to school as early as possible. My wife and I, we talk about, we kind of go back and forth about this all the time because we do live in a culture now where killed kids are held back. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's data to speak to that being beneficial in some capacity. But our, you know, my mother was like, you know, go to school. Mine was too. My mother yeah. like was like, please take her. Because I'm a December. <laughs> I'm a December. I'm, a I'm December. September. I'm September yeah. 19th. So. Now, there may have been records falsified to ensure that I got in at four. <laughs> I wonder how they did that. Yes. If my mother is watching, you know, I love you. You know, that kind of Well, thing. you know, back then they didn't have to like validate anything. You just wrote it on a piece of paper right, and everybody like, assumed it was true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you didn't the have to show proof like of three. anything. Oh, yeah. he's fine. He's just small. <laughs> She's just small. She's a late grower. So I'm probably, what are your thoughts about that? I was going to say, I'm on the opposite scale of advocating for the other side, like waiting a little bit, because mm-hmm. I think that's a big transition. So if you think about like four-year-olds that are going to pre-K and they're like napping every day still, and then they're like, okay, now you're in kindergarten. Like all of a sudden you need to be mature and I need you to sit in this desk exactly. for like eight hours and quit napping because life's happening. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. What do you think happened at five? Yeah. Why did you take away their nap? They still need that to like function and repair their brain and rest and reset. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think it would be great if all the kids waited until they were six to start. Give them a whole mm-hmm. nother year of like napping and maturity and then start incorporating it in their pre-K program, like a transitional year. Mm-hmm. So like pre-K, a transitional year and then start. I think that kids overall would be more successful without having that pressure of like, you need to be so mature and learn at five. I need you to learn all your numbers and your Mm -hmm. alphabet because we're going to practice reading at five. (laughs) And And you need to be done reading. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then I need you to like multiply by the time you're eight. You know, like I feel like we're just like lowering the age on all things. Yeah. And I think it's just creating this intense pressure for kids. It's definitely a case by case because I'm an advocate for the Doogie (laughs) Howser and for the person who who needs that extra time. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Are there other (laughs) conditions that may look like ADD? Differential diagnosis. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So for children, I would say probably under the age of 10 at least, inattentive ADHD and anxiety look exactly the same. It is like the same symptoms. It's restlessness or irritability or poor focus or poor memory or poor organization, um, poor social skills. They still have the meltdowns. They can both have anger outbursts. I mean, they look almost incredibly the same. Um, I tell anybody that I ever meet that I don't believe any child should be on medication that's not in therapy. Because sometimes when you go into a psychiatrist's office, you know, that's what they're trained to do. So you come in and you give them symptoms and they go, let's do it. But when you see a therapist who's with the kid for 45 minutes to an hour every week or every other week, then they're seeing them longer and then they can start sorting out the two and they can start sorting out you know like what's really going on and what's the big picture because when you go into a psychiatrist's office you're supposed to give them a snapshot of what's happened in the last month so you're supposed to like summarize it so you have like 30 minutes to summarize what is happening and then sometimes parents focus on the wrong thing because if we're frustrated if something just happened if we just had an outburst or we just had an incident or they just got in trouble at school then we forget all the other symptoms that are happening the rest of the month and we only focus on those yeah and so i think it gets misdiagnosed um pretty often like sometimes i have kids that come in my office and the parents are like they're adhd and i'm like really and then they're talking and i'm like i mm, i don't see it yeah Hmm. And so, well, and the, yeah, and the sure. one with anxiety, anxiety is the one that I usually see it. So that's so interesting. You say that because I was 
positive that my eight-year-old, and he, I think he was seven at the time, had um, ADHD. And I took him to get tested, and they were like, no, no, he actually has anxiety. And I was like, what? Now, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out, not only did he have anxiety, he was on the spectrum. Uh-huh. So there were some things that were mirroring the ADHD right. symptoms as well. They do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all kinds. I mean, there's a couple of other things that mirror it. So um, kids on the spectrum sometimes mirror ADHD symptoms. Kids that have sensory disorders mm-hmm. can mimic ADHD because they have they don't want to touch certain things or they're restless because of the internal energy that's happening with um, sensory disorder mm-hmm. or sensory processing disorder. Um, and they can have the irritability and they can have the outburst. So yeah. all of those things like just kind of look like each other. So it gets kind of complicated when you're going in and um, doing therapy or doing medication. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always say start with a therapist first and then so they'll good. lead you in the right direction. And yeah. they'll tell you like, or I think most therapists will, they'll say like, I, I would recommend having a chat with a psychiatrist uh-huh. or they'll say, I think we can work through some of these things with like a behavioral system at home mm-hmm. or at school and yeah. incorporating it that way. So, yeah. Cause my kid was the one crawling under the table and breaking the kids glasses by mistake. Cause yeah. they were both under the table. Yeah. So. <laughs> and April, I think, I think that's why diagnosis having a therapist, having a uh, licensed counselor or psychiatrist mm-hmm. is so important. I remember as a pharmacist, um, Sometimes we live in a culture where everybody wants a diagnosis. Right. Mm. So, for example, uh, working in pharmacies for years, pay, individuals would come in and they think that they need amoxicillin, you know, uh, for uh, really symptoms were the, which were the common cold. Right. And antibiotics don't help the common cold, but people wanted their antibiotics. And so I was on an initiative where we really tried to reduce the amount of use of antibiotics and i think the same thing unnecessary antibiotics which we know now contribute to a whole lot of different issues right i think in this same instance here when you have all these different uh, disease modalities it's really important to have get an accurate diagnosis wouldn't you say just yeah. like she, she was talking about the spectrum anxiety disorder right um, you know oppositional defiance um there's so many different ones um, are you an advocate for being with a good therapist or a good counselor? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, I think everybody needs a therapist. <laughs> At some point in their life, everybody yeah. should have a therapist. Even therapists have therapists. So, yes. But for kids, too, I think sometimes when you're a parent, it's really hard to step back and look at the situation. So sometimes when you have an outsider, that's kind of, exam- you know, just mm-hmm. talking to them and chatting with them in a non-threatening environment and non-judgmental environment, that that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that that therapist can lead you in the right direction and sometimes right. I have kids I just met someone last week that the mom brought him in was like ah maybe he needs a chat and I was like no he's good like he'll let you know he had enough verbal skills that he can let you know if something's stressing him out and because he was older he was a, a teenager and so but it doesn't hurt to go in for a session to find out it right. doesn't hurt to have somebody that you can tell your kid like you can tell them anything and then also that person being trained clinically to be able to point you in direction and run prevention instead of intervention or crisis intervention because I feel like especially in Texas we are terrible at prevention we're terrible at doing anything to prevent things from happening so we just want to do intervene when it's a crisis and so yes a good therapist would help with prevention well let's just take a quick break real quick to say that if you have any questions or you want to tell us a little bit about your experience we would love for you guys to be a part of the show so give us a call at 214-431-5062 so we may have already addressed this, but what, it, what causes ADHD? Or, go ahead. W- w- okay. what's, what's interesting is they don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, 
you know, it's, 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 it's not really known. It's an unknown etymology or a call, you know, in terms of, of its cause. We do know that there's a percentage of individuals where um, if they are from uh, certain areas uh, of the city where um, um, it's more congested, um, mm. more... Like polluted congested? Pollution, pollution okay. uh, higher polluted areas, uh, families with certain issues where there's a person with prior diagnosis with ADHD right. that's there. Um, so those are some of the little cues that you see, but they still don't really know the cause hmm. as to why you can right. stick to certain things as well. No, same thing is, um, but I do know that in my office, whenever I meet a kid that's struggling with ADHD is one, at least one parent will say that was me as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Almost always. So yeah. it's not proven to be genetic, but almost every kid that I ever work with, one of the parents acknowledges that was them. Okay. And I'm like, well, there you go. Let's do it. Let's yeah. figure out how it worked for you and then see what can work for them. But okay. other than that, there's not a known. It's just there. Another thing, too, when I was going back researching, maternal smoking or alcohol mm. use during pregnancy is also another, um, you know, indicator. Uh, there's a higher percentage of individuals when their mother did that where that was actually a part of their diagnosis, okay. too. So what are some of the things that you see that parents might be concerned about that they haven't actually proven causes ADD or ADHD? Like maybe um, every now and then I'll have parents that'll ask me about vaccines because vaccines is always um, under the microscope for everything ever since, you know, they came out and said it caused autism, which it doesn't, by mm -hmm. the way, mm -hmm. that's been proven time and time again. So usually that's the only one that people kind of ask me and then they'll ask about genetics and I'll say, you know, it's not proven, but more than likely if it's running in the family somewhere, it wouldn't be uncommon for him or her to have that as well. Okay. We actually have a caller. Uh, caller, are you on the line? I am on the line. Hi. <laughs> I recognize this voice. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is David Bailey, and I'm calling from the Fort Worth <laughs> Science Museum on lunch break. How y'all doing today? What's going on, D. Bailey? <laughs> what do you have to I say, caller? Yes, yes, yes. Hey, well, actually, well, the question I actually did ask, and you may not have already asked it, but uh, I'm thinking back to my teaching experience when I was in the classroom, and you know, we would get our 504 paperwork on students. Uh, who had accommodations, and there was always, every year, there was at least, you know, three to five kids. I'm teaching, I'm like, mm, mm, there's something going on with this child. Uh, but I, I asked my coworkers, do you have any pa paperwork in this child? And they'll say, well, no, there's no paperwork. Okay, so, you know, the teacher, we're not allowed to say, hey, your child has ADD or ADHD. We, we're not, because we're not professionals, we can't diagnose that. Right. But I always knew, and then I would contact the parent and say, you know what, hey, this is what I observe. Just, just, just sharing what I observe about the behavior. And then several times they would say, oh, yeah, they're on, uh, they are ADD or ADHD, uh, but we don't give them medication or uh, we don't want them to have you know, the 504 plans and stuff. And so uh, I'll take the answer off the air, but just wanted to get your thoughts on that as to, you know, uh, how should that be managed in in the school setting? Hmm. So that's all. Great question. Wish I could be there. Uh, Miss Shaw, and you guys have a great day. Bye. Tell tell John I said hi. Enjoy the dinosaur. All right. So, <laughs> well, you can say right now. Hold on. Say, say hi, Mommy. Hi, Mommy. Oh, hi, handsome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. So I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later at home. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> bye. 
it's cute. cute. <laughs> yes, it is cute. How old is he? He's eight. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a fun age. He was the one I was just talking about. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, no, that's really unfortunate because there's not a lot teachers can do. I mean, yeah. it, and there's not a lot the school can do either. You know, they can bring concerns and they can, I tell every teacher and um, counselor that I work, talk to, to document as much as possible because the more you document, the more you have to keep going back to the parents to address concerns. You can't force people to take medication. And I think the unfortunate part about that is if you have a kid that has severe ADHD, is they're the ones that are paying the price? nobody else pays that price except for them if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and if a parent steps foot in my office i always recommend a 504 for kids that struggle with adhd yeah. because that gives them accommodations like little things that don't even matter like standing up beside their desk you know like it's the smallest thing but sometimes teachers just won't allow it but if you have the 504 it makes them follow that because it's legal if that makes sense and it gives that kid some flexibility within the classroom to be successful um, to maybe accommodate them a little bit because they're fidgety or restless um, so I love 504s because you can mm-hmm. tweak those as you need them you can mm-hmm. barely have any accommodations like almost none at all if they're really successful then you can have it down to almost nothing but on years where you need it then you can intensify the accommodations but w- you can what just are the most common accommodations you see like <clears throat> For instance, I have kids that are allowed to stand beside their desk instead of sit in it because some teachers that's big or they get extended time because sometimes they're having a hard trouble focusing. So they get like 30 extra minutes to complete the assignment or if the assignments due the next day, they can turn it in in two days so they can extend the due dates. For example, they can do small group testing where they go to the library and take a test instead of sitting in a classroom with 22 kids taking a test because they can't focus on with the noise in the background going on. Um, They can even do small group testing for the star test, which we know is happening right now which is really stressful to kids um but if you go to a cafeteria or a gym with 200 people they're not going to be able to focus Mm because there's so much noise in there so they can get accommodations for that so usually those are the biggest ones that i see i have some kids that have those giant rubber bands attached to the bottom of their desk so they can Mm -hmm. bounce their feet on it Mm -hmm. because sometimes they just need to burn a little energy while they're sitting there i mean it can be really small things but it can make the biggest difference in like helping them be successful in the classroom Mm -hmm. so i love 504s yeah school's probably hate me because i'm like this is what you do and this is how you get it and so and we need more people to help parents to advocate for their kids right we had one um one of our children was diagnosed with uh, anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and the person who diagnosed him had the psychologist said we could get accommodations and i had yeah, no idea that you could absolutely do that. and so we got right on that because he really was struggling in school and right you know you should know um that it has to be significantly impacting your education right so with our first child i was very concerned that he had adhd and i went to his physician and told her about it and her answer to me was um is it affecting his grades he's right in kindergarten so and i said no he's kind of perfect at school and she's like well then we can't really can't do anything I was like, but i'm dying <laughs> <laughs> he will not sit down yes and but yeah they, there's nothing that they can do at school unless it is they don't care that it's impacting home all they care is that is it impacting you at school and impacting your learning right and i have some kids that the the saddest cases I see are kids that squeak by, so they're passing, mm-hmm. but they're really struggling, yeah. really struggling. And the school doesn't want to give accommodation sometimes. We run into that um, because they're like, but they're passing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but they're fighting tooth and nail for every single one of those C's. Like, could we make life easier for the nine-year-old? It just shouldn't right. be this hard at nine. Right. Like, it's just not necessary to right. be that hard at mm-hmm. nine. Mm-hmm. Because then at nine, if it's that hard, this kid's going, if it's this hard at nine, I don't want to do this at 12. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, so. 
So let's let's get into a little bit of what it is that you do. Uh, what's the clinical um, side of treatment for kids that have ADHD? How do you work with them? What what is a a session with you look like <laughs> so the session if they're young what i do is i spend half the session with the parents and then the other half with the kid because mm -hmm. it's more about the parents than it is the kid at that moment right. because they don't have self-awareness and they haven't developed um, impulse control sometimes until about the age of 12. so what i need parents to do is adjust their routine because how we talk to our kids will dictate how they talk back to us if that makes sense so we're mm -hmm. like the thermostat of the home yes. so if we want the temperature at 70 then we have to set it at 70. but if we go with them they escalate we escalate then it's our fault, if mm. that makes sense. Mm. So we should set the barrier. So we talk a lot about what your routine looks like at home and how to make that day in and day out routine. So kids that have ADHD, they do best with routines. Mm. They sometimes don't like it. So there's resistance in the beginning getting it in place. But if you can get them on a set routine and they know what to expect and it becomes their habit every day, then they're more successful. Um, also breaking things down into simple tasks versus multitasks at the same time. So sometimes parents want to say something like, go clean your room. Well, that kids with ADHD aren't successful with that because if they walk into their doorway and then they see their desk and they see their bed and they see their floor and they see their laundry and then they see their books everywhere, they don't know where mm -hmm. to start. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we can even break it down like, hey, go get me all your laundry and bring it back. Successful. Hey, go bring me your trash and bring it back. And then we celebrate Hi. the successes. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't have another caller. right number, but Dr. and a young from? lady is on the uh, webinar right oh. now. Oh, sorry. Uh, is this the number where you can call in? Yes. Are you calling school days to help for moms and dads of school age kids? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Are you calling school days to help for moms and dads of school age kids? Uh, yes, I have one. He's 14. And um, I was trying to get the number down, but I didn't get it. It's Dr. Uh, Walker, though, who is talking, Courtney Walker. Yes. yes. Do you have a question? I don't have a question, but I do have a comment. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. You're on the I'm air. I'm from Forest City, Arkansas. Oh, that's home. Hey. <laughs> How's it and, going? Um, I have really been enjoying this webinar that uh, I'm hearing because I have uh, a student or a child, a grandchild who's with me, and uh, I can see some of the things that you are saying, and I am getting some uh, help for him. But I want to know if um, there's some kind of way I can replay this so I can give this information to other people because you are really hitting all the boxes. Oh, good. I'm so glad that it's um, we're giving you the information that you need. Yes, actually, this show it turns into a podcast when we're not on the air. So uh, pretty much anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts, you can um, download and subscribe to our podcast. But also you can go to schooldaysshow.com and we have all of our past episodes on there. And this one will be on there as well. And shout out but to Arkansas. Do they actually have this uh, interaction between these two people? No, no. There's we, we invite all sorts of experts about all sorts of topics that pertain to education on the show. Oh, I think she wanted oh, to know oh. if this video with this interaction would be on that website. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, it will. yes. Yes. Okay. And and uh, for some reason, you sound like I'm on speaker or you in a barrel. I, I'm hearing every other word you're saying. It might be, you might, might need to turn your radio down. Turn the volume okay. down on the show. Let me do, let me do that. Okay. I didn't want to miss anything. No, no, I'm glad. Okay, I, I turned it down. Is that better? Yes, um, I, I can still not hear everything, but I guess you were telling me that I cannot get a replay on this. 
for the conversation that they are having. No, you absolutely can. So our web address is schooldazedshow.com. It's D-A-Z-E-D. Okay. Say that one more time, please. Okay. It's school. C-O-O-L or school? School, like schoolhouse. S-C-H-O-O-L. Okay, S-C-H-O-O-L. Uh-huh. Dazed. D-A-Z-E-D. D-A-Z-E-D. D, okay. Show. S-H-O-W. Yes, ma'am. Dot com. Okay. Dot com. Mm-hmm. And do I have to put a certain time in to get uh, these two people? No. Uh, this, the show is called The One About ADHD. Yes. Man, I tell you. And uh, they they seem to be hitting everything I wanted to know, and I wanted to share it with our school district as well as some of the other parents. Oh, good. If you um, have any questions about where I'm sending you, you can also go to F as in Frank, B as in Bull, R as in Randy, N as in... F, F, B, and what was the other one? R as in Randy. Uh-huh. N as in No. Okay. Dot. Uh-huh. U-S as in Sam. Okay, and that's how I got in this morning. Okay, there you that. go. You look up School Dazed, and you'll find all the information you need about the show. And we're actually getting okay. ready to talk about medication and other therapies. So uh, okay. we thank you so much for giving us a call and okay, uh, well, keep I'm listening. Okay, well, I'm to turn it back up. Okay, uh, sounds tell, good. If you would tell Dr. Courtney that you had a call from Forest City, Arkansas. Well, I, thank you so much for calling. It's great to hear you. Thank you. All right, take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we don't we don't want to have a pharmacist here and um, not get a doctor of pharmacy here and not get into medication. So let's talk about what medicine is approved for treating ADHD in children. Okay, so when you first talking about medications, you have stimulants and non-stimulants. Okay, mm-hmm. that can be used in ADHD. And when you go to stimulants, you actually have two different types. You have methylphenidate um, stimulants, and then you have amphetamine-based stimulants. So the methylphenidate stimulants are Ritalin in the family with Ritalin kind of going back years. That also includes, uh, uh, Metadate, uh, some of the other drugs there. And then you have the amphetamine-based ones, which Adderall is one of the main ones that you kind of can remember from there. Mm -hmm. Then you have the non-stimulant, um, medications. Now, specifically when we talk about um, the stimulant ones, how do they work? They really work in providing, uh, going back to what April mentioned earlier about the prefrontal cortex and the, one of those pistons. I love that. I think I'll use that too. Don't uh, be stealing that. That's I fine. No, right? I gotta put your <laughs> name down on it. Uh, you have to figure out how to say her name. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes. So you can quote her. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> and, um, but, but the thing is, is that what stimulants actually do is to help to flood the prefrontal cortex with dopamine and, 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 and norepinephrine. Uh-huh. And so that is like the fuel for the piston to kind of get it going. The problem is on the flip side, the rest of the body gets that dopamine and, and that nor, uh, epinephrine as well. And so that's why you see hypertension. Uh, um, you wow. see other side effects associated with them taking stimulants, tachycardia, fast heartbeat, heartbeat, uh, anxiety sort of symptoms. So those are the side effects with stimulants. And so that's okay. that can be the negative aspect of them. So is this speed, basically? No, it's, it's not necessarily Because that's what somebody speed. said to me, and I was, that, that concerned me it's, a tad bit. People say that. People okay. say but that's that. like a, a 
broad generalization of what it's more complicated. Yes. Okay. When you hear stimulant, that's why they they say that because in stimulant the same as speed, but not necessarily. It it, okay. it just sort of helps um, when you where you have a lack of um, dopamine and norepinephrine in the brain. It basically helps to flood that area that helps with executive functioning, and so that's why you see kids tend to do better now the stimulants only work up to about 12 hours even the extended okay. release duration of action is up to about 12 the non-stimulants work up to 24 hours so um so when you see the uh atomoxetine uh the the uh, uh which is um um brand name intuniv um, so you see some of the other drugs there, they work for about 24 hours in terms oh. of a duration of action. And are those are the non-stimulant? Or those the are the non-stimulants. Okay. So you have stimulants and non-stimulants. Why would you use one over the other? Uh, basically based on, uh, it's going to be patient by patient cases. And, and you know what, being able to see, um, uh, certain patients, um, uh, may not respond from the standpoint of the adverse event profile. So the adverse effects. So if, if you know a patient may not need that, that flood of dopamine through their whole system where they would exhibit uh, the symptoms like tachycardia, maybe they have a cardiovascular mm. issue background or they don't need that stimulus may not be for that particular patient. You would use a non-stimulant for that patient, but it would be at the discretion of the physician mm -hmm. uh, who is actually writing the script at that time. And they, you can speak to sort of what you've seen as well. I was going to say a lot of doctors, they if they have a choice, I feel like, and this is just my opinion, that they would want to start with a stimulant because they work faster. Okay. I mean, you can take a stimulant faster. and within 45 minutes, you see a difference. Oh, Whereas gosh. when David first got his pill, he, was, he said he was like, Shoo. Yeah. <laughs> like it kicks in. Like you can see it focus. kick in. I tell yes. parents all the time, you can see it work at 7.47 a.m., but you'll see it wear off at 3.22 p.m. <laughs> he said he was like the movie Lucy. Remember uh, oh, yeah. the movie Lucy where yeah. she, she could use all of her oh, brain Lucy. instead of just yeah. a portion? Right. Yeah. So stimulants work a lot faster. And so that gives kids relief a lot quicker than a non-stimulant that can take two weeks to start working. You know, if you think about Stratera, which is one of the oldest uh, – non-stimulants used it's the same thing that and they'll tell you, you for aging me i yeah. launched i was on the launch team for stratera yeah. so, that, that <laughs> so that's how old me. it is mm -hmm. um yes. but if you think about um antidepressants they'll tell you it takes two to four weeks stratera is the same thing so then sometimes people are like i don't have two for four weeks to see if this works like i need help like right now so you know what i mean so sometimes parents feel like it's a crisis and i need to address right now yeah. and unfortunately non-stimulants aren't going to work that quickly. So yeah. if the kid can take a stimulant, if there's no history that says they can't, then a lot of times they'll probably start with a stimulant versus a non-stimulant. And that's the interesting thing too, whereas stimulants flood the brain with that dopamine and norepinephrine, how uh, Stratera atomoxetine works is what we call a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. So it, it works specifically with norepinephrine, not necessarily dopamine. So what that just means for those listening is that it works differently into her point it takes a little bit longer but once it starts to work you get a 24-hour duration of action right whereas the stimulants you see there you see the effect much much faster okay they have smaller half-lives which means ah, the half-life that was a question yeah. that somebody had asked um that let me so amanda gamma from mending clinic wanted to know what the half-life hold on let me grab the card oh, I, love amanda. I remember this yeah i know you do um half-life of adhd meds because she was saying that some parents stop 
um, taking it on the yeah. week or have their kids mm -hmm. stop taking it on the weekends. And then furthermore, more some people also stop it in the summertime right. Right. Uh, because they don't have a routine that they need to follow. So what are your kind of your thoughts on that? And note it, note that we have like one minute left. Okay, I'll keep it really, really <laughs> short. Um, Half-life half just has to do with the, the time in which half the drug is out of the body, in the body, you know, so... You know, half, you know, so if the duration of action is 12 hours to half time, you know, kind of can be it's going to be almost half and even shorter in some degree. Um, so the stimulants are going to have a much shorter half life than the non stimulants. They're going to have a much shorter half life. Um, and I think what she's more so kind of kind of going back to what Ape and I were talking about, uh, the stimulants are going to give you a quicker onset of action. Uh, but again, the crash is going to be quicker in mm -hmm. terms of them, um, in terms of their functioning sort of not happening. Um, the non-stimulants are going to have a longer duration of action. They're going to have a longer half-life than the stimulants. Mm -hmm. So it just depends, again, to the discretion of the physician. It also will depend whether or not they take it on the weekends, whether they take it during the summer months. It depends on what they're doing. So if they're doing camps where they're going to be doing STEM and they're going to be needing mm -hmm. that brain activity, right. they may stay on it. Uh, it may be situations where parents, the physician and the parents choose to, for the, pa the, the, the child to take it on the weekends. It just depends. Okay. And, and just, you need to work with your And doctor. one thing I was going to say is non-stimulants, I feel like it's more important not to skip doses because yep. it depends on that buildup, build basically. Up into the system, so absolutely. a non-stimulant, -stimul it's easier to skip a weekend or a summer because you're not, it's not built in the system and it's mm -hmm. not depleting as you skip doses, if that makes sense. It's mm -hmm. day by day. Right. And so it's... Uh, longer half-life, longer duration. Right. right. So it's more important to take the non-stimulant every day. Okay. All right. So in... 10 seconds. <laughs> Can you tell me some, uh, get your books ready. Yes. Can you tell me some resources <laughs> that are available for parents um, to go to some online resources and, and such? I'm going to let you take that because you have books ready. Right. I and do. I don't. Well, I'll just say I love the website attitudemag.com. Um, they also have a magazine that I guess is monthly that I've, I've never actually seen that. But what's great about attitudemag.com is that they have information not just for sufferers of ADHD, but people who are living with people who have ADHD. Because it can be difficult, mm -hmm. and it can actually be something that is a little, um, not taboo, what is the word I'm thinking about? Um, frown it's, it's hard to... to um, for a person with ADHD, they, they can get labeled as, you know, yeah. irresponsible right. or it's not taken seriously and, and things like that. So um, this is information for parents, information for spouses that right. are, that's on this website. Also understood.com or it's probably .org. Um, and I also found the ADHD answer book, 250 of the top questions parents ask. Chad, make sure to tell Chad them about Chad. Chad as well. And these are all, all going to be on our website as well. Um, one of the parents from a Facebook group asked if we could recommend some books for ADHD for kids so that they could personally understand their own condition. And you had some of those. So a couple books, Corey Stories. C-O-R-Y stories, Corey stories, a kid's book about living with ADHD by Gene Krause. Um, really high recommendations. Uh, Journal of an ADHD kid, uh, Tobias Stumpf, the good, the bad and the useful. Uh, there's another book, Kids with ADHD, Survival Guide. Um, also, Annie's Plan, Taking Charge. Um, and then also um, there is another book. Um, no, I think that's about it. 
Okay. But the main one was Corey's stories. Okay. Thank you so much for that. So we are so out of time. I'm sorry I'm rushing here. But, <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for spending your time with us. Um, as always, we want to uh, tell you about um, what's going on next week. So next week, um, David and I will welcome Emily Benning, a licensed professional counselor and expert in sleep health, Ooh. who will offer tips for developing healthy sleep habits. <laughs> And that goes with ADHD. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That are essential for academic success. But this is going to impact your entire family because I just feel like nobody's getting enough sleep for sure. But as always, we want you to head to our website, schooldazedshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher, and really anywhere that you like to listen to your podcast. And as always... Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, we are at N-O-G-G-I-N Noggin Foundation. And lastly, we always like to end, of this sh- end the show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you want to know more about that, feel free to email us at info at schooldaysshow.com. Have a great week. School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.